Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida, now available as a podcast as well. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. Reparations in Action is the weekly program of white people in solidarity with African liberation. Our usual host, Jamie Simpson, is not able to be with us today, although we expect him to be returning to the airwaves very shortly. Um, so I'm here, I'm Jesse Neville. I am a member of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. And I'm joined by Penny Hess. Uhuru. 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 It's great to have uh, Penny Hess, who is the chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee, on this program um, every week with us as well. And we want to start off by saluting the leadership of Chairman Omalia Shetela, the founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement and the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party for leading the struggle of African people for liberation and self-determination for over 50 years. We also want to salute Deputy Chair Onazanea Shetela, who is also a key leader within the African People's Socialist Party, who is responsible for all of the work of the Uhura movement worldwide, the African freedom movement that is fighting to build an independent African working class economy in the interests of and under the control of African workers themselves. We also want to salute um, Black Power 96.3 FM. It's an incredible honor to have this program every single week on Black Power 96.3, which is an institution of the African People's Education and Defense Fund a nonprofit organization formed to address the grave disparities in health, education, and healthcare faced by African people in this country. And we are very honored to have this program to address white people who are listening to this radio station and to this podcast about our responsibility to join under the leadership of the African-led movement for social justice and genuine peace through reparations to African people. Uhuru. So today we're going to be discussing what's in the news and looking at this through the lens of African internationalism, the worldview and analysis of Chairman Amalia Shetela and the African working class. And we want to begin by discussing the situation around the COVID-19 virus or known as the colonial virus. And then we're going to be looking at other world events that are happening, including what is happening with the U.S. aggression against the government and people of Venezuela. So to begin this discussion, I'll turn it over to Chairwoman Penny Hess. I want to say Uhuru and thank you, Jesse, and for that introduction. And I, I appreciate your salutes to Chairman O'Malley Shetela and this brilliant leadership fighting for the liberation of Africa and African people everywhere, and for Deputy Chair Onizene Shetela, who among many things coordinates the Black Power Blueprint, which we have talked about a lot. Um, this, the actual concrete manifestation of political and economic power in the hands of the African working class. And of course, this incredible radio station, Black Power 96.3 FM. It's very much of an honor to be here today. And I'd like to start out by saying that as this COVID-19 virus manifests as a pandemic sweeping the world, the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Amalia Shetela are taking lead in addressing 
the solutions and the needs of the African working class through their campaign called the People's War. Because as Chairman Omalia Shatella has summed up, this is not a medical problem. This is a political problem for African people and for oppressed and colonized peoples in this world. It's a problem that there is no power in the hands of the African community itself to control what happens to it. No access to medical care, you know, so many poverty, police, all of the conditions faced by African people inside this country and around the world. And, you know, as of this morning, there are over 1.3 million known cases in the world of the COVID-19 virus with nearly 76,000 deaths throughout the world. And we know that that is a tremendous underestimation of the reality because millions of deaths literally are not recorded, not being recorded as the COVID-19 virus. Inside the U.S., there are 36, 367,000 known cases with 11,000 known deaths. And again, we know that the number is, is far greater than that. And it is becoming clear as the data is relate, released that African people in the U.S. are being hit staggeringly hard by this colonial virus. For example, New Orleans has fast become the new epicenter, even as the deaths um, have swept African communities in New York and other places with thousands and thousands of people killed, African people killed. Today, there are reports from New Orleans that show that 70% of the deaths there are Africans. New Orleans is rapidly becoming the epicenter, and only 30% of the population is is African in that area. There are similar numbers being reported in Chicago and other states and cities. So we say known cases because they are now stating that many of the deaths have been recorded as cardiac arrest, complications of diabetes, and other conditions. Um, conditions that, because of colonialism inside the US for African people, make them the target of this pandemic. The, I also want to say that this colonial virus has reached down into the members of the Uhuru movement, um, members of the International People's Democratic Uhuru movement in particular, which is based, um, headquartered here in St. Louis, but also is based in New York and, and many other places inside the US and the world. And in the past few days, this virus has taken away the father of Kalambayi Andanet, the president of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, and Nicola McIntyre, a leading member of Antietam in New York. And we just, from the African People's Solidarity Committee, from this program, Reparations in Action, we extend our deepest condolences to the families and friends of these dear comrades who have contributed so much to forwarding the movement for political and economic power in the hands of the African working class. So we salute the fallen comrades of the Uhura movement, Nicola McIntyre, and the father of Kalambayi and Annette Uhuru. Uhuru. 
I want to join uh, join you, Penny, in in conveying my profound condolences to the families of these incredible comrades and fighters for the interests of African people and for all humanity. And you know, recognize based on the understandings of the party in Chairman Amali Shatella that these deaths represent uh, murders, basically, by this colonial virus, uh, yes. of, of a colonial virus that is being carried out against the African population. Absolutely. And we take a look at another facet through which the colonial virus is sweeping within the, the colonies of this country, in particular through the colonial prison system. We want to take a look at that. With one and three African men in the colonial prison system in this country, where also millions of Mexican and indigenous people are locked down, the colonial virus is spreading like wildfire. As Chairman Omalia Chatella of the African People's Socialist Party has stated, the prison system inside the United States functions as a tool of the colonial oppression of African and other colonized peoples. The United States has the largest prison population on the planet Earth with over 2.5 million people in prison on any given day. More than half of the prison population are African people. Hundreds of COVID-19 diagnoses have been confirmed at local, state, and federal correctional facilities. An undercount given a lack of testing and the virus's rapid spread. There are hunger strikes happening right now in the colonial detention camps that they call immigration detention mm -hmm where indigenous people are held as quote unquote, illegal immigrants for crossing an illegitimate border on their own land. A week ago, the Cook County Jail in Chicago had two diagnoses. By Sunday, over a hundred inmates and a dozen employees tested positive for the virus. This is happening at a time when in Chicago as a whole, over 70% of the deaths by this colonial virus have been African people. A nearby Illinois state prison reported a coronavirus-related death on Monday, and Michigan prisons had 78 positive tests. And again, Michigan is a place where, with a 12% African population, over 40% of the COVID-19 deaths have been African people. The Rikers Island Jail in New York City had 167 confirmed cases amongst the prison population by Monday and lawsuits filed by the Legal Aid Society are seeking the release of more than 250 inmates at Rikers Island, which describe a lack of soap and poor hygiene behind bars amid the outbreak. In one example, a prisoner reported that six others were transferred out of his dorm after testing positive for coronavirus. The area had not been cleaned a day after the, the sick inmates were removed, according to the suit. At least 38 inmates and employees in the federal prison system have the, have the virus, with one prisoner so far having died in Louisiana. Two prisoners at a Northwest Florida prison have tested positive for COVID-19, according to the Florida Department of Corrections. The prisoners are housed at the Blackwater River Correctional Facility, a prison operated by the GEO Group, one of the two largest pr private prison corporations in the United States, run by a multimillionaire named C uh, CEO named George Zoli, who earns a $6.6 .6 million annual salary for locking up Africans and Mexicans. Two cases at Blackwater are the first time corrections officials have said inmates in the, counties, uh, in the country's third largest prison system have tested positive for the highly contagious disease. 
And of course, we know that they are covering up a lot of other cases. In addition to the two inmates, 26 workers uh, or employees at the 14 prisons and two probation officers across the state have tested positive for COVID-19. Correction officials will not reveal how many prisoners have been tested for the virus. One person in custody at the newly reopened Eric M. Taylor Center at Rikers, who tested positive for coronavirus, told the New York Daily News that the jails have not been sanitized and no one has taken his temperature in more than a week. The city correction department does not have a handle on the situation, he said, whose name is being withheld due to concerns about retaliation for speaking out. He continued, it's filthy. We don't have anything to disinfect. Everyone is coughing. We are all on death row here. And we want to point to the sixth point on the 14-point platform of the African People's Socialist Party, which calls for the immediate and unconditional release of all Black people who are presently locked down in the U.S. prisons. If there wasn't already enough evidence proving what the African People's Socialist Party says in its platform, the use of the prisons to basically function as a contained mass murder uh, strategy of colonialism right now with containing all of these uh, colonized African and indigenous people within the prisons and then allowing the coronavirus to spread and kill thousands of African people, it is clear that as the party's platform says, all African men and women who are locked down in US concentration camps, commonly known as prisons, are there due to decisions, laws, and circumstances created by aliens and foreigners for their own benefit yeah. as means of genocidal colonialist control. Thank you, Jesse. Uhuru. Uhuru. Can you hear me? Okay, so uh, thank you. And I, um, I think that that 14, point number six of the 14 point platform of the African People's Socialist Party says it all. And that goes back to the very beginning the founding of the party in 1972, or shortly thereafter, the 14 points which show, you know, all of the manifestations of colonialism over the lives of African people and the right of African people to have political and economic control over everything, including who is the criminal, who is supposed to be in prison. Though, you know, when you look at this moneyed sector and these 14, 14 corporations that are getting the $2 trillion and all of the crimes that we are going to continue uh, to increasingly expose here on this show over the next few weeks, um, they don't go to prison. They, they just keep getting more and more and more of the stolen loot produced by African workers, loot that is owed in reparations to African people day after day after day um, by this government while African people are stuffed in prisons for things that white people don't even get arrested for. So I you know, just want to make the point also that the, it is a colonial prison system that has always been summed up. And to see the fact that there are more people in U.S. prisons than there are in real numbers in China right. um, in prison. And that the U.S. has the highest prison population in the world to such an extent that one out of every eight people in prison in the entire 
world is an African inside the US. So this is a colonial situation. Um, the, the laws, the um, so-called war on drugs, the fact that it is a counterinsurgency against African people is, is very, very clear. And the fact that they are, the conditions are horrendous. And when white people do go to prison, generally they're not in these same conditions, even in prison, right. that uh, the prison system itself was already genocidal. And now um, they're allowing this to sweep through the prisons. And I don't believe that they are releasing all the numbers of deaths that they've faced so far. Um, that it's going to continue to see massive deaths and illness throughout the entire colonial prison system. And this is why African people must have political and economic control over, over their lives, overstating what is the law, a law in the interest of the African working class. And we must pay reparations to African people. Uhuru, thank you, Chairman Penny. I just want to agree with what you just said completely. And I think it's really important to come to the conclusion of reparations to African people, because sometimes uh, there's an assumption that when we talk about reparations, we are talking about simply reparations for the era of chattel slavery, which is obviously a big part of it, because that is part of how this entire capitalist social system came into being, as Chairman Omalia Shatella has proven through his writings and, and uh, the political theory of African internationalism. But as the chairman has also said, the rate mm -hmm. of exploitation of African people has accelerated since the formal abolition of chattel slavery. And the prison system is one of the key venues through which you can see the ongoing uh, colonial oppression and exploitation and violence and genocide against the African colonized population inside this country. And, and you have done a lot of work and the, uh, the party and the African People's Solidarity Committee has done a lot of work to show the way that uh, the prison system has functioned as an economic stimulus for the white population, for the rural white communities where prisons were built and so many other ways that parasitic capitalism, the white ruling class and even the general white population have profited massively from the, the colonial prison system. So the only conclusion we can come to is reparations. And uh, I think you are absolutely correct uh, when you say that they are allowing this to happen. This is not mm -hmm. negligence or oversight or you know, something where they, they just are scrambling to try to get enough uh, you know, supplies or something like that. The, the people who run these prisons are very clear that they, they want this to happen. They see this- They're making it happen. They're that. making it happen. And they knew, they, they completely, you know, in the situation where they're saying, um, there are reports out from prisoners saying that all around them, people are coughing all night. Um, they have fevers. Maybe there's one person who doesn't, who's reporting to his family. Um, that it's way out of control, and this is on purpose. The right. fact that they don't have, they don't wash down anything. They didn't have soap to begin with. Um, right. Already, disease and um, every kind of of deepening of any kind of problem that a person would have is uh, intensified greatly inside the prison system, and that is because it is a col colonial dungeons. Yeah. Um, that African people are stuffed into 
and you know we must take up our responsibility to pay reparations to African people through the Black Power Blueprint, which gives an opportunity for us to contribute to that at blackpowerblueprint.org to, um, to, to be able to have, you know, contribute resources to the independent African economy. Absolutely, because the white economy and the prison system are one and the same. So the end of prisons and the independent yes. African economy are also one and the same. So we have to really fight for reparations. That's, that's what it's about. So, so we're talking about all of the ways that this colonial virus is being weaponized essentially by, the US, uh, by US imperialism as another form of genocide and colonial violence, essentially against Africans and mm -hmm. other colonized and oppressed peoples in this country. And I know we wanna, we wanna turn to the, the indigenous people and I'm gonna yeah. turn to you, Penny, to- um... Yes, um, yes, thank you, Jesse. And just as the colonial COVID-19 virus is wreaking devastation on the oppressed and exploited African community inside this country, the indigenous people are catching hell to the extent that reports are coming out that that some of the lands of especially the Navajo and Cherokee, um, they may not survive this at all. So genocide is continuing to this day. And that we understand that the United States was built along with the theft of African people uh, and kidnapping of African people to the United States and the Western Hemisphere based on the stolen labor of African people, which created the greatest wealth inside um, that, that enabled capitalism to have the wealth that Wall Street and the elite and ruling class enjoy today, that this land is also stolen from the indigenous people and genocide was carried out against them. And that today, indigenous people are confined to concentration camps, <clears throat> referred euphemistically as, as reservations, where the average life expectancy is 42 years old. The European mass murder of indigenous people involved all means of colonial violence, including biological warfare, such as the infamous use of smallpox infested blankets given by European settlers to indigenous people, and, and so much more um, to, you know, even the, the uh, planned extinction of the buffalo and the bison, which were the main food source for many indigenous people in this country, was part of the genocide that was planned, as well as many military attacks against the people. Um, today, the indigenous people <clears throat> living in the colonial conditions of abject poverty and suffering on the concentration camps are struggling to protect their communities from the ravages of the colonial virus. In the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma, 11 people have tested positive for the virus as of Friday and one has died. Excuse me. <clears throat> in the Navajo Nation, 321 people were infected as of Saturday, an increase of 51 cases in a single day, with 13 fatalities, the most in Indian country so, so far. And that was Saturday, and this is multiplying so rapidly that by today, 
I'm sure it's doubled, tripled, and more. There are 5 million indigenous people remaining today on their occupied land. When you look at the health disparities in Indian country, high rates of diabetes, cancers, heart disease, asthma, and then you combine that with the overcrowded housing situation where you have a lot of people in homes with an elder population who may be exposed or carriers, this could be like a wildfire on a reservation and get out of control in a heartbeat, said Kevin Alice, chief executive of the National Congress of American Indians. We could get wiped out. <clears throat> Indigenous people are forced to live in concentration camps on their own land, mainly in the West, Midwest, and South, according to the National Congress of American Indians. Houses <clears throat> often lack electricity and running water. Indigenous people face brutal health disparities as a consequence of centuries of genocidal violence, domination, and land dispossession. Conditions such as hypertension, asthma, cancer and heart and cardiovascular disease, maladies that put them at a higher risk of fatal complications from the coronavirus are commonplace. Indigenous people are 600 times more likely to die of tuberculosis and nearly 200 times more likely to die of diabetes than other groups. More than a quarter under the age of 65 lack health insurance. As infections more than tripled from 71 to about 270 in just over a week, the Navajo Nation couldn't qu quickly get federal funding for American Indians allocated by Congress in early March because they had to apply for it through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Protective gear for health workers was inaccessible. A third stimulus pack, well, I just want to say before that, that just like the African community, the resources that are supposedly available are, are absolutely inaccessible yeah. to the African community and, of course, to, um, to the indigenous population as well. A third stimulus package passed by Congress on March 27th included a sum of 10 billions towards the indigenous reservation, but allocating the funds could take weeks, I would say, or never. Right. Meanwhile, $4 trillion is going to the Wall Street banks. As summed up by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, for the white population, the COVID-19 crisis is a disturbance at worst and a vacation at best. For the colonized African and indigenous people, it is weaponized by the US social system as another tool of colonial genocide. Uhuru. Yeah. Uhuru. Um, yeah, I, I really, I was just kind of overwhelmed when I was reading this, just thinking, mm -hmm. about, you know, what Chairman Amalia Shetela has said that, that most of the time people, as the chairman says, people don't even talk about the indigenous people, white right. people, certainly unless they're in the same room. And the African People's Socialist Party has always, always, always raised up uh, front and center the fact that this land is not the land of white people, that we white people are not indigenous to this land, that this land belongs to the indigenous people, and that the United States and Europe and the entire capitalist social system was built uh, first and foremost, from the enslavement of African people, as well as from the genocide against the indigenous people and the theft of their land. And I guess, uh, Penny, what I, what I was thinking when I was reading this 
is I was thinking about how Hitler and Nazi Germany is always promoted as the ultimate evil thing that's ever happened in human history uh, because there, it, was, it was an example where a population within the white population, a group within the white population faced a measure of the type of colonial violence that, that Africans and indigenous and colonized peoples have experienced for hundreds of years at the hands of colonial white power. But reading about the conditions of the indigenous people from the first white person who set foot on this land mm -hmm. to today, um, really, I mean, Hitler in his wildest dreams could not have come up with something um, as comprehensive and brutal as the justice right. the indigenous people. And, it, you know, the whole thing about just as like, it's, it's an insult when they talk about what resources they're going to put towards the so-called reservations, $10 billion, which I agree that will, that will never be seen by the indigenous people. Um, but even the, the idea of the US government giving money to the indigenous people, like it's not theirs to give. The entire land belongs to the indigenous people. So yeah, the, we, we stand in total solidarity with, with the indigenous Absolutely. people and their struggle to reclaim their land. We unite with the African People's Socialist Party that this is indigenous people's land, just like Palestine yeah. is still the land of the Palestinian people. It doesn't matter how many years have passed. Right. The theft took place. It still belongs to them, and they have a right to reclaim every last millimeter of their land. Yes, I, <clears throat> I unite. I agree, Jesse, and that the fact, as you know, as Chairman O'Malley Shatella has said, no white <clears throat> person has a legitimate claim to even one inch of this land, and people, white people, pretend that well, it was a long time ago. Well. It's still here. It doesn't change it. This system is built on horrendous crimes against humanity that aren't even counted or thought of. Um, that is the reason why white people have resources. White people can survive this coronavirus pandemic with um, not too much uh, to, you know, have to worry about, and that you know the the colonized are are paying the price in the deepening, deepening assault on African indigenous people. And yeah, I have read that Hitler, Hitler read about what was done to the indigenous people, the locking them up in the missions in the West and forced labor, taking their children and putting them in special schools where they were they were abused and raped and not allowed to speak their language, separated from their families, just the most brutal, brutal situation. This is the essence of America. Mm -hmm. And when the indigenous people did have power over their lives, when they ruled, or they wouldn't even say that they ruled, but when they, they lived their lives and their civilizations prevailed, on this whole hemisphere, there was no problem with the environment. There was no um, CO2 emissions. There was no um, pollution. The oceans were thriving. The animals were thriving. And it was the introduction of the genocide of the indigenous people by white people and the 
um, forced kidnapping of African people and forcing them into this hemisphere that that was part and parcel of the industrial industrial revolution that was essential for the destruction of the environment and the industrial revolution is part and parcel of of parasitic capitalism and just because white people can have something out of sight and out of mind doesn't mean that it's not there trembling under your feet because indigenous people are fighting. They resisted from day one as brilliant, brilliant fighters, Geronimo and so many others, Sitting Bull and, and you know, just famous wars in which, you know, they killed Custer and all his troops. Um, they were brilliant fighters, as were Africans mm -hmm. that fought back. That resistance is continuing today. And the African People's Socialist Party is absolutely determined that, that they are committed in every way that African people will be free and that also African people not only will liberate Africa for the, under the leadership of the African working class, but are also part of the revolution of the Americas and see their, um, their brothers and sisters of indigenous people as basically the same people, that this is a struggle against imperialism. And I would only say that every white person who believes that there has to be socialism there can't be a white socialism. There can't be a white worker-led mm -hmm. socialism. The true workers of the world are the colonized working class, the African working class, the oppressed and colonized working or unemployed working class of the indigenous people and the colonized of the earth. That is what are who are going to bring down imperialism and will usher in socialism led by the advanced detachment, the African People's Socialist Party. So if we believe in socialism, some white Bernie Sanders, what has he said? He's not gonna give indigenous people their land back. He's not gonna pay reparations to African people. He's made that very clear. He's talking about more and more benefits for white people while the pedestal of the incredible suffering and colonization of African indigenous people would continue. He has never even addressed it or united with reparations. Right. That is the essence of the socialist demand because the stolen wealth has to be redistributed, meaning returned to the hands of those from whom it was stolen. And under the leadership, of African people, of the indigenous people, we will see a world in which all human beings can live, no one at the expense of another. But until that time, we're gonna see white rights, white power in one form or another. And you can call it socialism, but it's another, you know, Nazi Germany was national socialism. Right. So, you know, we have to take this on that the struggle for socialism is painted black, is led by the African working class. And for us, it begins with a stand of reparations to African people to have power 
in their own hands to have political and economic control over their lives and over extending that over to the lives of all oppressed and colonized peoples on this planet. That is a very powerful and succinct uh, summation of, um, you know, the understandings of African internationalism on the question of socialism. I really appreciate that from uh, APSC Chairwoman Penny Hess, and that is something that we we intend to have deeper discussion about because socialism Mm -hmm. is something that many people out there, including many white people, young white people, are gravitating towards. There have been studies that have shown that uh, increasing uh, percentages of of the young, young white millennials are saying that they favor socialism, but it's really important to uh, restore some clarity to the definition of socialism, what socialism is, and how can you have socialism without reparations to African people? How can you have a conversation about socialism without the return of the land, the stolen land, to the indigenous people? So I just completely agree with what you're saying, Penny. And, um, and this is key to this, the genuine stand of white people against imperialism, against parasitic capitalism, and for socialism. This is what it means. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we want to uh, take a look as well at um, another aspect of the colonial virus, which is just U.S. imperialism itself, which spreads around the world, um, leaving a trail of death and destruction in its wake and which is experiencing profound crisis right now. And that is a point I would like to uh, bring into this mix as well, that Chairman Amali Shatella has, has emphasized repeatedly for years, that the crisis of imperialism is deep and profound. And it's a crisis born of the fact that the capitalist system itself was built on the oppression and exploitation of Africans, indigenous, and colonized peoples throughout the world. It's a parasite on the body of humanity. So the moment that oppressed peoples resist, the moment that African people resist inside this country, Ferguson and so many other places, the Black Power Blueprint, the Uhuru Movement, uh, the moment that Venezuela refuses to bow to the whim, the will of the United States and Cuba and even China and Russia and other uh, growing uh, powers throughout the world, then imperialism's crisis deepens and the maneuverings of the United States in the world today, including the way it is responding to the coronavirus outbreak within its borders, which it instigated, are evidence not of a strong imperialism, but of a weak and dying imperialism. And one example of that is what is happening with the escalation of aggression by the United States government against the people and government of Venezuela. According to VenezuelaAnalysis.com, a week or so ago, after President Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela announced sweeping measures to ensure the well-being of the working people of his country, the United States government slapped an indictment on him of quote-unquote narco-terrorism, something that the United States uh, imperialism and parasitic capitalist banks are responsible for throughout the world. So we will talk about the extreme irony or hypocrisy of that allegation in just a moment. Maduro announced on March 20th uh, regarding the coronavirus pandemic that all commercial and residential rent, as well as all capital and loan interest payments are to be suspended for six months. Public and private sector workers in Venezuela will receive a special government bonus 
and wages of small and mid-sized companies will be paid by the state until September. Compare this to the absolute joke of the mm-hmm. so-called CARES Act passed by the, the U.S. government in March. A pre-existing workplace stability decree has also been extended until the end of the year, outlawing job dismissals as a result of the quarantine. Outlawing job dismissals. Job dismissals. <clears throat> Loan appeals by small and medium businesses are to be fast-tracked. Uh, as opposed to the United States, where they're reporting that most businesses are going to be permanently shuttered by the time the, that loan money is even made available. And uh, fast-tracking to the corporations, right. to the 12 corporations that are receiving the majority of the trillions of dollars. Absolutely correct. Um, a special agricultural investment plan in Venezuela is looking to guarantee the contents of the subsidized local food production and provision committees food boxes for a reported 7 million families. So they are feeding the people, serving the people, making sure that people can survive this and and come out of this crisis. Telecommunications companies have also been barred from cutting off customers for six months. So what does the United States do on April 2nd? The Trump administration- I just wanted to say one thing on that because, and they're saying the telecommunications because they see that it's important for the people to be educated, to be, to be able to get information mm-hmm. that they are putting out through, through the internet and through TV, et cetera. So I think that's an important point. Very important. Very, very important. And stark contrast to yes. what is happening in this country. So in response to all of these measures and these you know, incredible things that that the, uh, the, the Venezuelan government is doing, uh, the Trump administration on April 2nd dispatched U.S. Navy warships to the Caribbean Sea in an effort to put, turn up the pressure on Venezuela. The initiative was announced by U.S. President Donald Trump and other high-ranking officials in a press conference on Wednesday and as part of a wider military operation being carried out under the false banner of anti-narco-terrorism which in addition to Navy destroyers reportedly involves surveillance aircraft and on the ground special forces units. According to the Associated Press, the operation is one of the largest in the region since the 1989 invasion of Panama. The military deployment came on the heels of the Department of Justice levying narco-terrorism charges against top ranking Venezuelan officials as well as a quote-unquote democratic transition, a.k.a. regime change plan, unveiled by the State Department. On March 26th, the Department of Justice accused President Nicolas Maduro, the National Constituent Assembly, uh, Diosdado Cabello, and several other officials of conspiring with FARC rebels, uh, insurgent um, guerrilla formation in Colombia, to flood the United States with cocaine. On Tuesday, the State Department dangled a carrot over the heads of the Venezuelan people. This was just pure thuggery on the part of the State Department that basically uh, told the, the, the world and the people of Venezuela that they would lift the sanctions that have been resulting in hunger and economic uh, contradictions faced by people in Venezuela. U.S. economic warfare in the form of these sanctions would be lifted as long as Maduro resigned and was not eligible to ever run again. And also that the Venezuelan government would terminate all security agreements with Russia and Cuba. 
So, um, so we wanted to discuss this a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to say is the, the moment, I mean, the, people actually laughed, you know, when they saw the headlines that, uh, that the U.S. was charging somebody else of, with narco-terrorism and flooding the United States with cocaine deliberately to harm people inside this country. Because the first thing that came to mind is the fact that the U.S. government did that and does that. Nobody on the planet Earth is, is guiltier of narco-terrorism and deliberately trafficking cocaine, specifically, as well as heroin and other drugs, into African communities and other colonized communities in this country as the United States government. So this was clearly a complete lie and slander by the biggest drug pusher on the planet Earth um, to attempt to assault and attack the people in government of Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they, the people, of course, remember the Contras, the U.S.-backed, raggedy, vicious, uh, anti-human <laughs> forces um, paid for and armed by the U.S. government that was also involved in cocaine, bringing cocaine from South America to the United States and putting it into directly into African communities, beginning with LA, going to Oakland, and then all the way across the country. Um, in the 1980s, the people remember that they won a victory in Nicaragua, the people did, the Sandinistas, and um, the US sent a war to make them have to spend all of their meager resources fighting to get those that U.S. proxy forces out of their midst mm -hmm. and to, in, instead of being able to use resources to begin to generate the economy for the people and by the people, by the, the Nicaraguan work, working class, and um, to be able to, you know, have literacy programs, housing programs, all the things that, that were needed for a successful people's government. And of course, you know, the US is, is attacking Venezuela, which had been using their oil reserves, which were some of the greatest in the world, to fund <clears throat> the programs of the people, of the poorest sector, mostly African and indigenous population in the barrios of Venezuela that to, uh, to fund their programs, their housing, their job training, their education, their health care. And of course, the U.S. forcibly lowered the price of oil so that their, their economy in that way collapsed as part of this, this attack. I just want to say also that, first of all, <clears throat> Juan Guaido is a pig. Yeah. Um, a typical U.S. neo-colonial thug that is there to represent the interests of the money sector, of the ruling class, of white power, at the expense of the people. And the people have fought. And President Hugo Chavez, who did so much not only to bring social programs in the interests of the people to Venezuela, but attempt to to win many, many forces throughout South America and the Caribbean region to be part of beginning of a contending, an alternative if not contending economic system 
that could function without indebtedness to the U.S. monetary system, the IMF and, and the World Bank, and did a, a very brilliant job in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, as we know, Chavez was, came down with a very, very rapidly spreading, um, highly, highly, um, you know, fatal mm -hmm. uh, form of, of cancer and died very quickly. I believe it's been 10 years ago now. But at that time, he accused the U.S. of biowarfare, of giving him this cancer, and also noted that, that several other friendly presidents of South American countries <clears throat> had cancer as well. Mm -hmm. That there was this, all of it, this sudden and noticeable cancer cluster among, <clears throat> excuse me, among presidents, friendly presidents um, in, throughout South America, almost all of which are now out of power. So, you know, this is, this is biowarfare is one method of counterinsurgency that the U.S. uses. And this attack is vicious. And we're calling on white people to take a stand in defense of the people of Venezuela this is during the pandemic. I mean, to see what Maduro did, got rid of, of rent for not just for a month, but till September or longer, till the end of the year if needed, said that people cannot be fired during this, um, you know, healthcare, everything that is being provided to people. And this is why the U.S. is attacking him and wants him out. And it is very, very clear you know, versus the conditions that African, Mexican, and indigenous people are facing here, that they're supposed to get a $1,200 check, which we'll see how many colonized people actually get that. Right. Um, and even so, that barely pays your rent for one month. So then how are you supposed to eat? How are you supposed to continue to feed your children in, in this situation, this brutal just a heartless situation that exists through parasitic capitalism while the rich are getting richer and richer and richer with trillions of dollars of the people's money going to them. So reparations are due. This is the society that I know I want to live in, Jesse. Yes. A society that puts the people first, that puts the needs of the people before anything else and which African workers have power in their hands to determine the fate of African people and everyone that will stand with them. So our work is reparations and we have to get to work. We do. This is not a time during this pandemic, that pandemic to be sitting around just watching Netflix. We've got to get busy and we've got to, we've got to become members. And can you tell us about the USM convention that's coming up shortly? Gladly, yes. The USM convention is happening precisely to carry out what you just said, uh, Chairwoman Penny has, for us white people to, to take this opportunity of this COVID-19 crisis that has resulted in many people being under quarantine, not as an opportunity to you know, sit back and take some time off, but to actually deepen our commitment and mm -hmm. our action in yeah. 
in the struggle for reparations to African people. Reparations in action, that's what it's about. It's happening on Zoom webinar, and it's called the Reparations Uprising. It's gonna be on April 18th and 19th, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, for two days, we're gonna be discussing um, our plans to launch a major campaign to target the moneyed sector, as we call it, the ruling elite, the billionaires, the capitalists, uh, ruling class, the banks, the corporations, the ones who received during the Obama administration $29 trillion minimum in bailout money from the Federal Reserve and who are continuing to receive trillions upon trillions today, that that is African people's money. That is trillions of yes. dollars of blood money that must go back to African people because the Absolutely. entire U.S. capitalist economy was constructed off of the exploitation and slavery of African people and, and, and indigenous people's genocide and stolen land. So we're taking this struggle to the heart, to the jugular vein of parasitic capitalism with a campaign called Make Wall Street Pay Reparations. At our two-day conference, we will be discussing our plans for that. Chairman Omalia Shatella will be the keynote speaker as well as other amazing leaders from the Uhuru movement, including the president of the mass organization of the African People's Socialist Party, the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, uh, Kalambayi and Danette in St. Louis, uh, the leader of the um, whole media apparatus, the Agitation and Propaganda Department, Akile Anai, um, the Dr. Aisha Fields, who is heading up the whole project to forward a people's war strategy with especially with regards to health and the medical uh, conditions faced by African people under this crisis. Um, and also Penny Hess, uh, who is our co-host here, will be speaking on the role of white people in this period under the leadership of the African liberation movement to fight for socialism, to fight for reparations to African people as a genuine anti-imperialist and revolutionary stand. Registration is available at uhurusolidarity.org slash register. And we encourage all white people everywhere who are ready to do something, to get on the right side of history, to come on board and participate in this incredible conference. Uhuru. Uhuru. Can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an incredible breath of fresh air. And <laughs> After staying in the house all this time and, you know, really want to get active. I'm, we are active under the leadership of the party, but I want to get everybody involved and taking on this campaign to indict the money sector, haunt them, yep. as Chairman O'Malley should tell us, as, and let them never forget everywhere they go, confronted yep. with the fact that they owe reparations to African people. So start forking it over that $2 trillion and actually a total of $29 trillion that's gone to just 14, mm -hmm. 14 corporations yeah. of Wall Street in the last 10 years or less. <laughs> that's all in their pockets. It's in their bank accounts. Their kids are flying over all over Europe and going to Harvard and every, any other place they want to go. Um, even during this time, <laughs> Yeah. Um, based on that, based on, on the wealth that's stolen from African people. So I'm looking forward to, to this convention. It's going to be really powerful. It is. Yeah. And some of them are self-quarantining on private yachts. They're right. And they have their own islands and their bunkers and their places on the mountains and on the beaches, etc. So we want them to know there is nowhere they can hide.
Right. <laughs> we also want to let people know about O'Malley Taught Me every Sunday morning yes. on the Chairman, Chairman O'Malley Chatella's Facebook page, as well as on the Burning Spirit YouTube channel. Chairman O'Malley Chatella conducts a weekly two-hour political education session um, that is really important to attend. It's an extremely uh, powerful every single weekend, as well as the reparations report with APSC Chairwoman Penny Hess and myself, Jesse Neville, that is on every Saturday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Uhuru Solidarity Movement's Facebook and YouTube channels. So we're coming to the end of our program today. Uh, Penny, anything else you wanted to say before we end it here? Well, I just really, again, want to call on people to, to come to hashtag O'Malley taught me. O'Malley Ishitella's study political education every Sunday morning, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. It's so amazing to begin to see the world as it really is, not as we want it to be. And it forces us through this political theory of African internationalism to get active. It's not about explaining the world. It's about changing it. And this is the time. It has to be changed. It has to be changed. And that struggle is led by the African working class, oppressed and colonized peoples around the world. We can be under their leadership. We can be part of a dynamic new world. So just want to say uhuru and unity through reparations. Uhuru. You've been listening to Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 FM. Please uh, tune in next week, same time, same place, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Reparations in Action on Black Power 96.3 FM. Uhuru. Uhuru.